0: This is a crowd Podcast. Hello, I'm Garrett Thomas. And I'm Tom Fordyce. And you've just entered the Geraint Thomas
1: Cycling Club. Brought to you by Zwift, the indoor cycling app. Jump on your smart trainer and jump into Zwift. Closer or welcome.
0: We're back, episode two. And we've got the news everyone's been waiting for. Last week, me and Tom basically did a mini sports day. On Wednesday, we had a 5K run. And Thursday, we raced up the Madone. And we've got the results, haven't we, Tom? The results are in, Garrant, And I
1: think overall, um, I have to be pleased because I haven't been humiliated. As a man at least 12 years, possibly 13 years older than you, I've managed to hold my own, albeit not on a bike. (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah no I, I gotta say I was um pretty impressed didn't think you'd be as quick as you were on the run you know with as you say with your in your latter years <laughs> my latter years uh, I don't know older <laughs> than me yeah <laughs> um but yeah I could tell like you you put a little dig in though didn't you with after about half distance and you were a bit quicker around the corners than me I think your knees are a bit more and your hips more I don't want to say agile because say agile that sounds great <laughs> <laughs> but you're more used to running basically and you go more. around the corner quicker and I am more used to running yeah and you got me and uh unfortunately I wasn't able to close it but I think there was one moment after you'd made your initial move you look back and then I could see the the fear in your eyes <laughs> you were you were worried you're like geez he's actually pretty he's he's hanging on to me yeah Well, I had had one move in my locker. So
1: when I made the move, I hoped to to look back over my shoulder because we were on a curved part of the course. I hoped to look back over my left shoulder and and see nothing but fresh air. And instead, I saw you in your headband and your uh, cycling (laughs) glasses and a very fetching Team GB vest no more than five metres away. At least I looked the part, eh? You did look the part. So I was able to hang on for that. And then the very next day, we went up the Madone, the bike that you used... Because when we started this challenge, I was envisaging a bike at least a hundred years old. Um, you would be changing the rear sprocket with a spanner, and your brakes would be made out of cork. Instead, you turned up with a delightful-looking bike. It was very nice. Very thin steel frame, um, very skinny tyres. Very skinny, but a graceful machine. And when I picked it up. It didn't seem to be much heavier than the very nice Pinarello that you lent me,
0: partly because I was carrying both my water bottle and yours. <laughs> yeah, I know. I did take it off you though at the bottom, so don't <laughs> try and claim that one. But it was a very nice bike. Old, though, like, having to change gear, like, oh, it was quite a few times I was moving my index finger to change gear. And I was like, oh, no, it's down on the down tube. <laughs> so it, was, uh, it wasn't so bad going up the dome because you don't really have to change too much. But it was more just riding there and back. It was... Oh, I can imagine, like, racing on those bikes back then. Well, you wouldn't know any different, would you? But God, it is a pain in the ass changing
1: gear. It looked like you were trying to tune in, like, an old-fashioned TV or something, or you were a radio ham trying to find a distant frequency. Because they're not indexed, these gears, are they? So yeah, no, they weren't little silver clicking, It was up and
0: down. Yeah, it was just a, yeah, glide and hope you get the right spot. You did sort of get used to it by the end, but... Um, It was nice to ride it. it, The the hoods were digging into my hands a bit because, you know, they were completely different, a lot lower, so you kind of got a lot more weight on them. So, uh, but I was pleased to have at least um, brought the scores level.
1: Yeah, my tactics were relatively simple, um, which were to try and fool you into thinking you'd crack me. Clearly you had cracked me, but I dropped back a little bit and then put in a mighty acceleration um, (laughs) to try and come past you. Um, which only really had the effect of making you slightly angry and making me feel quite sick. And then you rode
0: away into the distance. <laughs> yeah, and I just... Um, I didn't think I was going to go that hard either. But that's what real competition does, isn't time. it? It brings it mm. out of you. Exactly, yeah. yeah. So we didn't have a number on our backs, but there was a lot on the line, wasn't there?
1: The only shame for me was that there, were, there weren't that many people lining the roadside because it felt like one of the great
0: contests that the <laughs> cycling year... The running, the running race had plenty of fans. It did, yeah. Max was out there. So I, a couple of was working workmen on one of the corner, wasn't there? Yeah, yeah, they nearly got a foot to the face. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, it was... The Rose Garden was was picturesque, wasn't it? That, that lap of the to Rose Garden. To be honest, Garden. I was in a world of pain. I've got no recollection of any roses. Oh, well... We went through one anyway, yeah. It was great.
1: <laughs> so this leaves us 1-1. One, and one. We have talked about what we might do as a decider. I have got an idea, Garen, and that is that the decider will come at the start of Series 4, which means that all our fellow club members have the entirety of Series 3 to come up with a definitive race slash challenge that nice. will make it 2-1. I like that. Then a forfeit for the loser. Got to okay. be. <laughs> Let's see how we go. Right, Gee, enough of our nonsense. It is time for our very first guest of season three. And let's hope you've pulled in a big one. Gee, I'm pleased to say we've got a very exciting offer for listeners of the GTCC, courtesy of one of the sponsors of this episode, Ruler Live. Ruler Live is the world's premier cycling event. Me and G went to it last year and we had a
0: very good night out afterwards, didn't we, G? Well, I think it was before actually, Tom, which I think was our big mistake.
1: Yeah, we were live on stage very early in the morning, weren't we, Garen, after a late night the night before. But it was a lot of fun. Um, We had an amazing time. We got to meet some of our listeners. We got to talk about the night out and other things. And this year, Ruler Live is going to be held at the Truman Brewery in London from the 3rd to the 5th of November. As before, they've got a star-studded lineup of guest speakers and over 50 of the best cycling brands all under one roof. There will be friends of the pod, Fabian Cancellara and Tom Boonen, as well as Lachlan Morton and many more. Just search for Ruler Live or ruler.cc to find out more and book your tickets.
0: Plus... Ruler are offering GTCC members, i.e. you listening right now, a two-for-one ticket offer. Just go to ruler.cc and enter the code GTCC two-for-one at checkout. That's GTCC and the numbers two-for-one. So Tom, there's many brilliant young talents in the world of cycling at the moment. And um, well, to be honest, they're ruining things for... Guys like me, little bastards. But um, <laughs> So we've had today Pogacar on the pod last season, so it's only right to get this man who is the current world road race champion, winner of the Vuelta, winner of Liège-Bastogne-Liège, all in the same year. And he's only 22, which makes me a little bit sick, to be honest. So welcome to the pod. Welcome to the GTCC, Remco, Evanapol. Thank you. So I pronounce that okay, because I always just say Remco. But you did brilliant.
2: I I've heard worse. Perfect. I've heard worse.
0: <laughs> now, how are you, mate? It must have been a busy, obviously Walter Worlds. You know, Belgium, massive. The home of cycling, almost. So, must have been a busy few weeks for you.
2: Well, uh, yeah, it's correct. I think uh, it has been a quite a long summer, but everything has been been going well. I cannot complain after uh, such a beautiful summer. So it has been busy. I've been lived a bit, but I think it's all part of uh, of the job a little bit. Eh?
0: Hey, you've had a lot of big wins this year, but the one that stands out must be uh, that time trial in Tour de Suisse, no? Exactly, exactly. <laughs> you put away some good riders there. Exactly,
2: I'm, I'm super happy about that win. I think I cannot be more proud of uh, beating Geraint Thomas. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh, but I saw some photos of your homecoming. That looked um, oh, awesome.
2: Yeah, it was actually, I got goosebumps for the whole time, you know, going into the city of Brussels, like uh, on the... On the square, it was actually uh, I think a moment I will remember for my whole life because uh, as a kid from Brussels, you always dream to to once we you know get a bit of uh, respect in your own uh, city yeah. and then just uh, being celebrated on the square was actually uh, amazing. Has it been a big change? Like you you go shopping
0: like you know I don't know what supermarkets you have over there, but um...
2: yeah, I actually uh, leave that to my uh, to my wife now. I uh, prefer to. Yeah, not that's go. a nice excuse now, isn't it? <laughs> exactly. <Yeah.
0: laughs> Sorry, love. It'll, it'll take two hours if I go. If you go, it'll only take 20 minutes. So, nice excuse. Yeah,
2: exactly. <laughs> I always forget things, you know. So.
0: <laughs> yeah. And uh, just before you came on, we had that quick chat about um, your marriage. You got married recently. Yes. And that somehow got leaked. And you, you were trying to do it, you know, a bit quiet, keep away from all the press. So, that must just be another example of how. Your life, you were, you were a superstar before the back end of this year, but I must have just gone tenfold again, no?
2: Uh, yeah, exactly. I think we, we can feel it a bit in the small things, like, um, like example, the wedding we wanted to keep uh, as a secret or a bit more private than uh, than it was now. But I think in the end, everything went well. Um, it was still quite calm. We were actually too late, so I think the people or a lot of people left already. Huh. So it was actually a bit... We were a bit lucky, but, um, yeah, I think the most dangerous thing is that, uh, everybody wants a piece of me and, uh, we need to try to keep that under control, but until now everything has been going well, but I think the most dangerous part will be like the month of November, December when everything, uh, gets a bit more calm and then the TV shows come for like the, the holiday period of Christmas and and New Year and then, um, we're just going to focus on the most important things that are related to cycling and yeah, to my, uh, to my daily life, but nothing in private and nothing, uh, crazy like, a, I don't know, a singing program or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> will you stay in Belgium or will you be, will you go to like Spain or something? We actually bought a, a house last year in Spain and everything, uh, is ready to, yeah, to live in, uh, since a few weeks ago. So, uh, When I come back from holiday, we'll stay a few days in Belgium to get everything sorted and then leave with the car.
0: Nice. That'll make
2: things a lot easier, eh? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like this, uh, people don't really know or like the people that want something from me don't really know where I am or what I'm doing. So that should help a bit.
1: Yeah, yeah. So we, before we start talking about cycling Remco, we probably need to talk about football because Garant likes to tell me how amazing he was as a footballer before he became a cyclist, how he could easily have beaten Aaron Ramsey to it and played for <laughs> Arsenal and Wales. The difference between you two is that you actually did it because you were on the books of PSV Eindhoven. You played for Belgium's under-15 and under-16 teams. I, when I've watched your meteoric rise in cycling i keep wondering how you made that switch how you made that switch work so quickly
2: that's a good question i think it's something i don't really know myself but uh, in first place i was i wasn't happy anymore playing uh, football because i started really early in my life i think i was around four years old when I uh, started to play already here in uh, in Anderlecht. So already on a, quite a high level and with games on a bit of pressure even when you're a five-year-old kid. So I think it was just too long because I stopped at 17. So that made like 12, 13 years of uh, of playing uh, football already. Uh, and always with pressure, you know, because um, playing in Anderlecht, you always have the competition with uh, Bruges and uh, some other teams. So then the choice to go to to holland to psv was also the same you know when i was 11 years old i went there um i did two years in a family there uh, almost not seeing my uh, my father and mother at home then my mother got got uh, sick i think when i was 13 years old um so then uh, you know all these small things i think yeah caused the the end of my happiness in, in football. Is it true as
0: well around that time? I can't remember who's telling me, but um, your football coach said to have an easy day and you ended up doing like the local half marathon or something and you passed your coach and like, hey, you know, whatever you'd say, like, younger, hey. <laughs> and uh, and he was like, what the hell are you doing, Remco? And you end up running a super fast time as well.
2: Yeah, that's correct. I think that was in 2016. Um, so that was already the, the period that I started to... Uh, to get a bit sick of, of playing football. They also, uh, I mean, I got uh, on the bench uh, a few weeks before, so I was always uh, the captain of the team. And then out of uh, out of nowhere, they decided to not let me play anymore and put me on the bench. So that was a bit of uh, the period where everything got worse. And then uh, we had a game on Saturday. It was an important game, but I didn't play too much because I started on the bench. And I think I was, uh, they put me in with like 15 minutes to go. And then on Sunday, my father was—I uh, mean, my father planned to do the marathon of Brussels, and uh, I had a, a rest day as it was a game before. But I went there with my mother and uh, and his best friend to to watch. And then in the morning, my mom told me, "Oh, you should—you better should uh, should run as well because you're not going to do anything. You didn't play yesterday." So then I took my running shoes and uh, just <sighs> ran the the race. Uh, and it was actually a a very hard race because Brussels is not flat and. Uh, yeah, I started with the with the Kenyans, so uh, I was like uh, six or seven k in in their uh, in their group, but then in the downhills they they got really fast, and then I just had to drop because uh, yeah, they went super fast.
0: So was it a marathon then that you did? Uh, half marathon, twenty one k.
2: Yeah. How? Uh, what, what time was it? Did you do? Um, if I remember well, one hour sixteen. Whoa! I, I did almost seventeen kilometers an hour. So it was actually super fast.
0: Yeah. Oh, I I think you need to give running a go. <laughs> <laughs> go on, just for next year
2: yeah I think in my career I would like to do one uh, probably yeah. a marathon just take a year then... out now mate it's fine it's fine
0: like,
2: yeah then you can come back maybe I'll do it in 20, in 24 when I have my year in the rainbow and if uh, it didn't go well then I will change for one year maybe
0: <laughs> <laughs> or football just go back to that it's fine
2: yeah sometimes it's more easier to play football I <laughs> think oh, all the trainings all the hours on the bike in the rain I wish I was in the training hall just in the gym for two hours.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> did you, when you were
1: playing football, were you also riding your bike, Remco? Like, where did your road handling come from, your bike handling?
2: I actually did a bit of mountain biking, but nothing crazy—not like uh, the pros did, like on the super high mountains. Just here in in the area as a, a build up uh, for the season, uh, just to do something else and to to use a bit of different muscles. It's actually like we do now to run a bit in the winter period or or go on a on a hike or whatever. It was a bit the same reason behind the, the mountain bike uh, rides. So, do you, do you still run then in the off season? Uh, yeah, I do a bit. Yeah, I did not last year quite long. I think until uh, one of my first altitude camps in March. But since I stopped playing football, my bone density actually got a bit uh, got down. So uh, I have to uh, to keep running to just uh, keep my bones healthy.
0: Yeah, that's one thing we do um, every year. We have that. Is it a DEXA scan it's yeah, called? Exactly. Where it measures it. Yeah. So we do that. And um, yeah, every year they're like, Yeah, gee, you still got really low bone density. Like the whole team is like super low. So I always think, yeah, this this winter I'm gonna start running. I'm gonna do a bit, but I maybe do two or three and then uh yeah, it doesn't happen, basically. So this is the winter, it's gonna happen now. I'm gonna start.
2: Yeah, I'm gonna you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so when
1: you start riding professionally Remco, as we say, it all happens so quickly. You switch to Cycling 2017, it's only a year later in 2018 that you win first of all both the time trial and the road race at the European Junior Championships and that road race, I don't know if you've seen it, you can find it on YouTube. It's insane because Ramco wins by almost 10 minutes. Yes. Like it's, it's ludicrous. And then it's only a few months later that you do the double at the Junior World. So gee, first of all, can you put that into context for us as someone who came
0: up through the Junior ranks, how hard that is? to do? Like, I don't know, the only way I can describe it is when I did Junior Worlds, I was maybe 25th in the first one and maybe 14th in my second. And like, it's all about survival almost, like just to try and be in that front group at the end and try and sprint. So the thought of just riding off the front and winning by 10 minutes is just like ludicrous. So, but it just showed the raw sort of talent that Remco has. And, you know, like he just said then, but just banging out a one sixteen for half marathon, like it's just insane. Just that natural talent, really. And um, and then when you sort of have the, you know, that top inch, as they say, you know, the, the brain for it and the the work ethic, then it all just comes together. And you know, everyone everyone says about um, you know everyone's looking for the next Remco or this and that, but phew, there's only one Remco in there. Remco and Pagatcha have just like. Change the game almost, and um, there's nobody winning juniors by 10 minutes, is there? Like, there's definitely talented juniors, um, but yeah, Remco and Pagacha are one of a special, two of a kind, isn't it? Really, so where does that come from, Remco?
1: When you're making your way through the pro ranks, are you surprised at that point by your early results? Are you surprised by how well it's going?
2: Yeah, I think it's quite normal because. Um I mean, not the results, but the, that I'm also surprised about it because now it's my fifth year on the bike, and uh, I think every everything I did this year was all was a big dream uh, for my uh, entire career. So if I would have the results that I have now, and it's my last season, I think uh, we can talk about a successful career. So uh, it's it's quite crazy; that everything comes so fast, and it's also not easy for me to uh, to sometimes. Uh, deal with that because you have to be patient you have to work hard that then when everything comes so fast the expectations will always come higher and higher and higher and uh, Then in the end nobody will be happy anymore with a second place or a third place and I think uh, That's maybe the most difficult part to to deal with from from today on actually um, Especially after the results I did in, in the summer, but I think that's uh, Yeah, that's a bit of a surprise for everybody. I guess
0: yeah, it's definitely going to be that expectation for sure. But, but like, with next year, what's your what are you thinking? Are you going to go to the tour?
2: We're waiting for the parkour reveal of the tour. And then uh, ah, okay. we're going to decide. So I think the Giro looks quite nice for me with the 70km time trial. But we never know if the tour does a bit of the same. Then we might uh, have a think about it. Um, but I think for, for now we also have Fabio. Yeah. Um, yeah, who in my eyes, if he has his good day, he's the fastest sprinter on um, in the bunch. So um, I think we're just gonna wait and see. I think it would make sense if I still skip the tour for one year, um, but we never know if the tour parkers would suit me very well. We we definitely definitely could try and go.
0: Even though I'm probably gonna, I don't know why I'm saying this really, but if you were in the tour as well, you, Bogachev and Vingegaard. That would be interesting just to see how that dynamic worked and like, it'd make the race ridiculous. That's why I mean, why am I even suggesting this? Because it would just be super hard, even harder. But it was just like, yeah, being able to witness that this year with with Pogacar and, and you know Roglic for a bit. And yeah, well, it's definitely going to be exciting the whole Grand Tours the next sort of five, six years with all you boys going at it against each other. So going back to this year with the Vuelta, that must have been it was obviously a big target for you. But then you started really well and you know what people are like, like I don't know if you, you you probably avoid what journalists say and stuff like I stay off Twitter and everything when it comes to a grand tour. But you know, people saying, Oh yeah, but he he might end up blowing up and, you know, he's young and he's not good on steep climbs or whatever they're saying. But uh, it must have been so sweet to just well, ride as you did. You know, so level headed as well, like letting Pogatcha not not going totally into the red and, you know, maybe losing 20 seconds, but knowing you've still got a minute or two minutes or whatever. So that was impressive as well. But uh, yeah, it must have been so sweet to, to finish that off, to win it.
2: Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think uh, we really prepared for uh, three months. Actually, uh, since Liege, since the, I had a week of recovery after Liège and then everything was in, in uh, function of uh, the Vuelta. First of all, I wanted to be good in Swiss, but uh, something went wrong in the preparation. But then, um, yeah. After the, I can say it was a bit of a disappointment in Swiss. Uh, we just like uh, kind of cleared the uh, the head, and then I went to to Livigno and uh, kept working on the, let's say the the difficult parts in cycling for me. By uh, by then there was a steep climbs, uh, the heat still a bit. Uh, so I've been preparing really really well for the Vuelta and really try to to set my uh, negative points to turn them into the positive points or my strong strong parts in uh, for the race so uh, yeah it's it's uh i would lie if i would say that i was not happy with uh, being able to to answer everybody with the pedals for sure but it it's not that it was uh like in my head during the volta hour, we were more focused on on the result and, and on really trying to win that stage that was the first goal and then after that we we would just like kind of go with the flow and um, Yeah, try to keep the jersey as long as possible. But I think, uh, yeah, I think I surprised myself also a bit in uh, the Vuelta, physically and mentally, because I had that stupid crash in stage 12 or 13. Uh, I don't remember well. But then uh, I had a difficult weekend with the actually two of the, I mean, the two hardest finishes in in the race. And uh, I could actually uh, control the damage and not like, cracked completely like uh, it was the case in the Giro or, or in, in Tour de Suisse for example so uh, yeah it was uh, it was a big relief to for myself to to just prove to myself and to the team that uh, that I, I was able to race three weeks on a very high level
0: yeah for sure and the little crash in the in the race that takes a lot out of you like it is you know it's you know when you hear commentators or or even staff say oh yeah you'll be right though like You've, you'll you'll get better, you you know, it was two days ago, you know, you're only going to get better now, it's like, it's surprising how much it can take out of you at times because, you know, just rising a grand tour for the win is hard enough, let alone when you're, you know, beaten up, trying to recover.
2: Yeah, yeah, I was actually really surprised how how much damage a crash can, can cause uh, to the body um, because... Tell me about it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> so, like, on the outside, I didn't have much but uh, I had like the inside of my leg actually where I had my, uh, my fractures in, from the tour of, uh, Lombardia, that muscle was really stiff and really painful for three days. So, um, the day that I got dropped for like, yeah. like one minute from, from Roglic, uh, stage 14, I just could not stand up on the pedals and it was a climb of 16, 70%. So that's the climb that you really need to stand on the pedals. And I, I just had no power. I mean, uh, when I stepped off the bike, I couldn't even bulk properly, so uh, something was wrong in the body. But uh, I, I was really lucky that I could recover really fast uh, on the rest the day because uh, I felt on Tuesday, the start of the last week, that my legs were uh, really recovered and that the injuries were actually uh, almost gone. So, yeah, it was, a, it was a good experience to to deal with in that hard weekend. Yeah, to get through it. So speaking of that, speaking of that crash in
0: Lombardia, then that was, that was scary. I remember, I don't know where I was, but I saw it on the tally. And it was just like just to see you disappear off that edge of that road. Wow, it must have been horrific for your family to see that for a start, and then obviously you to go through it, and then afterwards all the aftermath of coming back. That's wow! Just to get back to top shape so quickly is a is a huge thing, anyway.
2: Yeah, yeah, exactly. I remember it was the the COVID season uh, 2020. So I didn't see my, my family a lot because we did a lot of altitude camps, but really like isolated from the family to just keep the, the virus away, uh, or out of the team. And, uh, I went from Burgos straight to Poland, straight to, uh, Lombardia. So it was a long period, uh, away from home for like almost two or three months. So, um, I really wanted them to be, to be there, uh, at the race. So normally it wasn't the plan that they were going to be there, but then, uh, because I asked them, they were there. Yeah, I think for them it it must have been the worst day of their lives, and for me as well. But yeah, I think uh, from the moment that I I could still move my legs and uh, knew that I was still alive, you know, because in in that case you you just really want to survive and uh, you just want to to stay alive. That's uh, most important, and unfortunately there have been many crashes in cycling already with a a worse ending, so uh, I've been lucky again during that crash i mean from the bad luck i had i had a lot of, of luck as well so uh but then the period after that was actually a really long and, and quite cruel period with the the rehab and then also the season which was like so much up and down but then i think uh, they always i mean I, I got warned already from the start of my rehab that it was going to take like one and a half year almost two years to be back on top top shape so uh i think they were right <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah, it must have do you remember everything from that crash as well
2: uh no i've got a, a small black spot from uh from that crash, yeah
0: oh well, maybe it's a good thing then
2: yeah I, I think i I remember going into the corner like uh crossing that house but then you have like the right left turn uh, bends which are really dark because you really go in between the trees so uh I must have made a mistake in the first corner because normally if you go in the first corner well you just cannot miss the second one but Mm. I must have made a a mistake in the first corner but I cannot say uh, which which uh or what mistake I, I made. Yeah. And with the whole comeback as well. I remember
0: am I right in thinking you you were doing quite a lot and then you you were getting better and better and then suddenly you had a bit of a setback as you kind of rushed it a bit too much.
2: Uh yeah, that's correct. So uh I think uh, I've been laying in in a hospital bed uh here at my home for like Almost seven weeks. So uh, the only activity I was doing then was getting out of the bed, having a pee or whatever, and then go back. Wow. It was uh, yeah, like seven, eight weeks doing nothing. Mentally, that must have been super hard. Yeah, 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 exactly. And I think there, uh, I have to thank a lot to my uh, to my family because they were always here for me. I remember that uh, that Umi had uh, her exam period ba- back then, so she was here at at my place studying in my room and i was laying down here so when i needed her i had to uh, text her because i'm sorry for my words but uh taking uh i mean i, I had to ask her to uh let me <laughs> shit because i just couldn't move from uh from my bed
0: So, oh. uh, well it's easy to laugh now but yeah the time it must have been brutal yeah. yeah
2: yeah exactly but i think we we try to stay positive every day again because like i said uh, a few minutes ago i was still alive so uh the most important thing was that I was still alive and that I was able to recover and not thinking about the cycling career back then. So uh, everything after that was just extra, but uh, we were already happy that I was uh, that I was alive and that I could walk around a bit. But it was a, a very horrific period, yeah, for sure.
0: Yeah. Do you still have to do exercises now? Because that's one thing I've noticed is which I'm really bad at. Like I can do the rehab when you're first injured, but as soon as you're good enough to get back on the bike and train normal and don't really have any issues with it, I kind of just, oh, I can't be dealing with the extra rehab stuff now, or, you know, the the maintenance of it, which is bad on my part, but that's the one thing I struggle with so much. Like
2: Yeah, me too, actually. But um, I just like uh, my lower back, the right side where the fractures were, were. After one week of riding the bike, it gets really stiff and a bit blocked. So almost every week I need to get cracked or uh, just let my, my back be checked because, um, for example, after the Vuelta and then the long travel to Australia, when I arrived in Australia, I had uh, the team physio with me. Yeah, my back was just completely blocked. And that's just all cause of the of the crash because uh, I just lost some muscles in uh, in my glutes, for example, my right glute is not as big as my left one. You know, it's always a bit strange and I just need to stretch and uh, activate uh, the muscles a bit more than uh, a few years ago. But I think that's uh, it keeps you a bit awake. So it's not a bad thing. Did it put you off riding at all,
1: Remco? Did you ever have a thought, even for a moment, that you questioned your career in cycling that you might not come back?
2: Uh, yeah, So like like G said a few minutes ago, I think, so I was building up, I was going in, I mean, I was getting in in good shape, having a good level already, but it was just not normal because I think I was so focused and so really fixing the goal of just getting into a good shape to the training camp with the team so I could train with the the boys again. Just from that moment when I achieved my goal and I got a bit of decompression, the body just uh, said, no, you're not... You're not good enough. Your body has not recovered. And uh, that moment when when they told me I had to stop riding the bike for at least six weeks, which became eight weeks, so uh, two months of not not, uh, riding the bike anymore was the period of December, January, February, so a long period. At that moment, I really thought maybe this is going to be the end because if the fracture never heals properly anymore, then uh, it might be done because the bone... That was, uh, I mean, the bone that I that I fractured was is the bone that really sits on the on the cell, You know, it really su- you just push all the time. You always have a kind of pressure on that bone. It's okay if you sit on just on a chair working on the laptop or I don't know what like this. It's okay, but if you have to turn your right leg a uh, hundred times a minute for five hours, then uh, it's it gets yeah. There's a little tension in, in the fracture, and it just never heals. And uh, I was just really scared that uh, that fact was going to stop my career. Yeah, yeah I remember uh, when I did my pelvis. Actually, I I
0: fractured it similar sort of place. Actually, when you're sitting on the saddle, and oh, yeah, it's just like yeah, coming back from that is just slow and just monotonous, isn't it? You
2: you just cannot do any exercise in the gym as well because if you want to do a squat, the muscle is gonna like pull the bone. And it's again under pressure, so you just have to wait until it's closed and then you can start practicing. But yeah, it takes at least eight weeks to, to close.
0: Yeah, it's crazy how I'm um, thinking about this now. Like Egan and Frumi have obviously had massive crashes recently as well. And yeah, so I, I'm for sure, they'll probably look at you as inspiration. Like you have got back to your best, especially Egan now, you know, because he's sort of on that journey now. So, um, yeah, it's some crazy crashes recently. But anyway, I think we should move on from the the crash talk because yeah, I'm not a big fan of that. It's happened a lot. But thinking of like the worlds this year, that was an insane ride. I actually didn't see. Mo- I just saw the final like I don't know five k or something. But yeah, win by two and a half minutes. Attacking where was it like 25 k to go or more?
2: Uh, I think I went off with Senko 35 and then I was alone 25.
0: Okay. Yeah. So was that always the plan?
2: Like, is that how you wanted to race it? The plan was actually how, how I raced now. But it wasn't meant to be that early. But, you know, you also know that the situations in a the race, they can change every kilometer. So you just don't know what to expect. And it was actually a bit of a, of a strange lap because the first part was really hard. Then you had a long, steep downhill, which uh, you just cannot gain time or lose time. And then you had like this five kilometer flat part next to the sea, next to the coast, going into the finish line. So we went off with a group. Then we did like one lap uh, of working together. Uh, we called the front group. Then uh, I put the I think Seri on the front for one lap. But then it was like there was no control anymore. So if we would have ridden one more lap the way we did the Third last lap, I think they they would have caught us back. Yeah, in that situation, I, I just knew already when we went off with 25 guys that it was a big opportunity for me to win the race because we were four Belgians in the front and there were four French guys in the front So and three Italians. So the race was actually, it was done. Nobody from behind would have been chasing like mad dogs, you know, just to catch us back. So we just had to keep racing, keep racing until I had a gap. And I think that's uh, that's how everything went. But of course, it was still a very long way because uh, a six-hour race going solo from from far away is uh, is pretty hard and is uh, always a big risk. But yeah, I think uh, I cannot complain about how everything went.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: Not at all. No, there were so many Belgian flags coming down that final straight weren't they bearing in mind the races on the other side of the world must have been amazing to see those as you came down the finishing straight
2: yeah exactly it was actually really crazy because also on Mount Pleasant so the the super sea climb there were a lot of Belgian flags and Belgian people screaming my name so yeah it was actually I was actually surprised that so many Belgians were there also when uh, when I stepped up on uh, on the podium I saw super many Belgian flags and uh, the typical Belgian type of screaming my name so uh, yeah it was actually uh, was super nice super super nice
0: and when, when did you know you had it
2: um, yeah the car came next to me and I was like 2-3k from Mount Pleasant and then uh, Sven told me uh, the coach told me that I had like just above one minute on Lutsenko but I also knew that Lutsenko was not the, the most fresh guy in the race anymore so then I started to believe more in it but I think I was really kind of relieved when I finished the the fast downhill. So with like six, seven k's to go, yeah, maybe five, then I was uh, quite sure I was going to have it. But yeah, you always have to be careful there eh, because flat tyres or you don't know what can happen. It can really uh, change the race completely.
1: Did you stay in the moment totally as you came towards the line, Remco? Or did you let your mind drift back to that long recovery from the crash and all those hours when you're lying in bed and you know, you need someone else to help you get the toilet. Uh,
2: I think that was more the, the case in, in uh, the Saturday stage, so stage 20 of the Vuelta, because uh, I remember uh, three or four cases to go when the, the sports director just said in the radio, oh, you're just going to win the Beat Vuelta. Uh, <laughs> then, uh, you know, then it really, I started to realise it and then you just think about everything that happened before uh the super tough year i had last year with the uh, the racing not racing uh racing on a good level then racing on uh for, for me on a bad level so uh yeah it was just that moment was really all the the images that i had from the yeah months and years before but the world was more the moment and uh actually also you know looking forward because you just know you're gonna wear the, the rainbow for for a year, yeah, it was a, a bit of a let's say uh, riding to the finish line, like on a cloud, you know, just uh, really flying over the over the streets was super super nice. Hmm. What
1: was it like for you, G, when you won the tour in 2018? And it was that time trial, wasn't it, down in the southwest of France on the Saturday? And then you know you you're hearing it in the ear from is it Nico Portal in the car that day? Who's yeah, telling you you've won the tour. What was going through your mind? Did you think about all the tribulations you'd gone through when you got to that point? Do you think about the people who's helped you get there?
0: Yeah, it's mad, isn't it? Because you spend the whole time not thinking about the outcome, just like that stage and trying not to get carried away and not... Because you could easily just go back to when you're like... Well, I was going to say in your early 20s, but, you know, when you're a kid and you like, like 15 or something and dreaming of... Um, you know, just being part of the tour and... and so if I'd let myself get carried away then, you probably would have like got all emotional and you, you, your race would have been up and down as well with it. But, um so yeah, I didn't think about it at all. And then yeah, in that TT, that was the first time I was like, well, this is actually quite a big day, you know, I could win the tour today. But yeah, I kept sticking to the process, you know, very boring, but you know, sticking to the process, thinking what I got to do and then, but yeah, as you say, last 500 meters, I remember asking Nico on the radio, like Nico, Nico, I won the tour. He's like, yeah, yeah, it's Jay, Jay. Cause he'd call me Jay, that's how he pronounced G. Yeah,
2: it's Jay, <laughs> Jay.
0: You've won the tour. And I was just like, yeah, just the elation. And then obviously Sa was there. I didn't know she was going to be there. And like, yeah, then you do, you do just think of like, not one specific moment, but you just kind of very weird way of, but you just reflect on everything almost and uh, all those hard yards and like, all the you know, the crashes and disappointments and stuff. And then Dave was obviously there who, you know, he'd been sort of like my boss since 2003 really. And, you know, kind of been through it all with him. And so, yeah, it is, it's a real emotional sort of time really for sure.
1: Who did you think about afterwards Remco? Did, who were the people who you look back into your past and you, you felt that you wanted to thank?
2: There are so many. I think, uh, Uh, In first place, uh, the family always, you know, it's uh, it always sounds a bit cliche, but I think it's just really normal that the family, the people who you spend most time with uh, during your life are the most important because they always want the best for you. They always support you uh, in good and bad days. So um, especially uh, my parents, my my wife and my closest Cousins, you know, just the closest family, and then also just yeah, all my uh, my coaches I've, I've had in soccer and in uh, in cycling as well. Because even though I, I didn't become a, a soccer player, the the coaches they always try to to make me understand things on the pitch and in life. So uh, yeah, I think it's also just the uh, the team and all the the boring. Normal speeches, you know, I want to thank my teammates, my DSs and all that stuff. So, yeah, everybody that had a just even if it was a super small part in all the victories, they, they know it. So uh, I think it's it's always the most important to thank them personally. Um, and if they know, they know, then it's, uh, then it's all right.
0: Yeah, for, for sure. So seeing as you're not going to be a footballer now next year or run next year, Are you coming to Ineos then? That's the question that everyone's been asking, isn't it? (laughs) (laughs)
2: Uh, No, 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 no. For now, no. (laughs) I think I have a contract till 26, so uh, we're really trying to to build on on something great with the team and I really hope we can achieve those big dreams um, because I think that would be actually a a really beautiful story to uh, start building on, on Grand Tour dreams and then try to win the three of them. That would be something really crazy but yeah you never know what happens in life eh? it's, uh, I think trans- transfers are, are just part of our job so uh,
0: yeah yeah well t- the rumour I heard is if any cycling team can't buy you then Nice Football Club are just going to offer you a, <laughs> a contract you can't refuse they'll try and get you out of the sport that way instead Hey <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, but you know I'm also but, an Arsenal fan eh? I'm a big Arsenal fan
0: Yeah, yeah 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 doing alright at the minute eh yeah
2: not too bad exactly yeah it's better than, the league, better than Anderlecht, better than left. They're not doing very well now.
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah, if you ever... I saw you were at Anderlecht, the sport, the, the game. Yeah. If you ever want to come go to Arsenal, just give me a shout, mate. I'll line
2: you up with a proper team. That would be nice, that would be
0: nice. <laughs> <laughs> oh, cheers, thanks for your time. Um, I know you're busy now and you're off to Maldives, so enjoy that. Thank you very much. Thanks for coming on, appreciate it. No problem. Tom, we've got a new sponsor for season three and I think we're all going to benefit from this one. Yeah, we know how much you all love coffee,
1: especially on a bike ride. So we've only gone and partnered up with Origin Coffee. Not only that... But we've got you a very chunky discount too. Not a bad start to the season from our chairperson. Yeah, G, I'm on it from the word go, you know that. A little bit about Origin Coffee then. So they're pioneers in sourcing and roasting some of the highest quality specialty coffee on the market today. In fact, they launch a new coffee every week. Right, so how are we getting our hands on this to taste then, G?
0: Well, I've already done that for you. I've tried Resolute. I would describe it as chocolate, stone fruit, bit of caramel. Have you just
1: read that off the label?
0: Yeah, but I did choose it because it's no nonsense. It's just a classic proper coffee, you know? If you want to try Origin Coffee just like G,
1: you can get 30% off all coffee and pods by going to origincoffee.co.uk and using the code GTCC30 at checkout. All online orders are roasted and shipped the same day And they have a rewards programme, so customers can earn points and get cash back every time they shop online.
0: That's code GTCC30 at checkout. Go and get yours today. Enjoy. Tom, Zwift are back for their third season sponsoring the GTCC. Which means our Wednesday 6pm group rides continue. Exactly. Just hop on your trainer, open up the Zwift app and join the group ride. You get to ride alongside us, all our club members, and wear the in-game GTCC jersey. And if you're new to Zwift, just go to Zwift.com to start your free trial today. During this season of the pod, we're going to be walking you through all the new stuff we've been trying out on the app. Just think of us as your testing team. So, Chairman Tom, what have you been trying this week?
1: Well, gee, Zwift have revamped Pace Partners This means the app is now full of never-ending group rides outside the already packed calendar. There are 16 pace partners in every world riding at different speeds and wattages. Right, so for those wondering what on earth I'm talking about, they're basically a rolling meeting point. So you get the feeling of riding with people without a group ride. Jump into a world, find a virtual pacer and cling onto them. Now, I've used this after finishing a race on Zwift to do my cool down, but you could use it as a workout and pick a faster wattage to give yourself a wheel to follow. Or why not use it as a warm-up for a Wednesday GTCC ride? See you all on Wednesday then.
0: Jim and Tom, what have you got for us in any of the business today then?
1: Well, you might have seen in the Facebook group that we are making the GTCC even bigger and even better this season. And we want your help to do this. So we're going to be introducing a paid tier of the GTCC membership. But we want to know what you guys want from this. This will be a sort of club plus sort of vibe. So get in touch with us in all the usual ways, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and email. The email address, if you've forgotten since series two, is gtcc at crowdnetwork.co.uk. And let us know what additional benefits you would like from us. So this might be some exclusive merch, might be extra content. It might be chats from me and G. We are ready and waiting to listen to you. Also, Tom, we've had an email from Brad Davis. What did that say? Right, gee, you're going to like this. So in Brad's words, I was speaking with my road captain, Ali, this week, and I shared with Ali the details of my plan for next year. She said I should share my crazy idea with you. Gee, here is Brad's crazy idea. Brad says, I plan to ride from my home in Norfolk to the south coast of Spain. This will be roughly 800 miles, but I will be doing it both bikepacking and also on a fixed gear bike. The idea is to raise as much money as possible for the hospital and hospice and raise awareness that cancer can affect the young. We thought maybe GTCC members could meet me en route and ride sections or maybe have a Zwift ride. What do you think, G? Oh, it's going to be brutal on a fixed gear. For a Massively start. brutal. Let alone the 800 mile bit as well. But And with all his gear, because he's going to be bike packing so the panniers will be heavy yeah. there'll be bars on his
0: there'll be bags on his handlebars on his top tube all that extra weight <laughs> um does he know what he's got himself in for yeah that's <laughs> gonna be brutal but fair play that's some challenge i yeah I, w- I wouldn't say we did something similar but i rode from south to north wales on a tandem with sar for charity years back and people met us along the way and it definitely helps when you meet people so Yeah, if people could go out and meet him, you know, along the route, then uh, that would be cracking, especially if it was GTCC members. Just don't do what people did to me in SAR and just expect to like, oh, can we just have a little race? Can I just test myself against you? This was after already doing 12 hours on a bike, you know? Just like, mate, (laughs) how about you sign for Quick Step and I'll race you in, I don't know, in a race. (laughs) But uh, no, yeah, unbelievable. And yeah, Zwift as well. Like that's something we'd be able to do easily, wouldn't it? yeah definitely well maybe Brad you can send us if you've
1: planned it out you can send us a rough route we can put it on our social feeds and then our fellow GTCC members can maybe sign up for a particular leg sounds a plan yeah
0: and get out there and support him and raise plenty of cash for a very good cause right that is it from us this week we'll see you again next time ciao ciao
1: that was the Geraint Thomas Cycling Club Thanks to club secretary, Louise Gawilliam, heads of music, Emma Hickman and Frank Beecher, head of social, Archie Biltcliffe, and our honorary president, Mike Carr. But most of all, thanks to you for listening. We'll see you next time. Ciao, ciao. Crowd Network. A place where you belong.